<laughs> Isn't that exciting? <clears throat> Just so I get, I, I get so excited about seeing young children uh, birthed into our church and and uh, just be loved and and honored as as we did this morning what what an amazing thing as per normal got a frog in my throat <clears> throat) let's get into word what do you say amen just before we do, um, our, our, this is um, uh, uh, Sunday morning, which we entitle Mission Sunday. And so we want to receive our offering as we would on Mission Sunday. Of course, your tithes and your offerings as you bring them to the house of God. Many different ways to give. You can scan uh, here uh, on the screens, and that will take you to a safe and secure way of giving. Of course, you can use our uh, our app, our ministry app. And... Um, as well, you can give the, the giving boxes in the back, those envelopes that are on the back of the chairs. They're for you to use if you'd like to give cash or checks. That's a blessing to us because we want to touch the world for Jesus. Can someone say amen to that? You know, I, if I could just kind of give you the, um, the focus of our missions this month. You know, we sport missions on a regular basis, uh, but, but there's always a, um, a, a focus that we have. And this month, Kind of interesting, Pastor Adam will be leaving with the Barajas family to travel to uh, Culiacan, Mexico. Now, Culiacan is the capital of the state of Sonora, and uh, Sonora is, of course, famous for the drug cartels. And if you remember at our conference, we uh, announced that we had planted a church there in Culiacan, and so Adam will be traveling with the family first to speak at the, the, the new church that's just beginning to open. Had a great start so far. But also then all the pastors of our Elevate family will be coming together in Culiacan for their pastor's retreat, their annual pastor's retreat, which Adam will be, uh, along with Josh and Raul and, and the others, ministering there at that conference. And so that's what we'll be doing. We're sending him. How many of you know that's important? I just I was thinking about... A scripture this morning that hit me where the Bible says, where there are no oxen, the crib is clean. Now, that's in the Proverbs, uh, the book of Proverbs. But it says, but much increase comes through the oxen. And so we don't want clean cribs around here. That's the reason we've got the dust that we're cleaning up here at the back and, and, and everything, because we're always active and involved, and we're not done with Mexico. Can somebody say Amen. We want to make a difference there, and so we want to make that the focus of our missions offering this morning. As you give, let me just tell you, I thank you for that. We thank you for your tithe that you bring to the house of the Lord. Uh, know that that blessing comes back to you, and, and so let's pray over our offering this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful to you that you have blessed us. And Father, just as your word declares in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we never want to forget uh, what you have done in our lives. And, and instead, Lord, we want to remember that you've given us power to obtain wealth and you've given us that so that your covenant can be established in the world in which we live. And so, Father, help us do our part and multiply this offering, the needs that we have, that we can do what you have called us to do. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Let's get in the Word this morning. I want to minister a message that I've called Victim 
or victorious. And that's a decision I think that every one of us will have to make <clears throat> in our lives. But I want to begin this morning with a scripture that, uh, uh, that revolutionized the way that I thought about the subject of faith. And um, I, I love sharing uh, what God's done in my life. It really helps me to uh, be able to minister the word to you from what God has done <clears throat> in my life. It, 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 this scripture that just kind of revolutionized my ideas, my understanding of the faith, it opened my mind to a possibility, a possibility that I didn't have it all, that I didn't know it all, that I didn't understand it all, <clears throat> and that something probably was missing in my life. There was something deeper that I needed to consider in my life. And I think you'll find that that is true for your life as well. None of us have it together. But the scripture was found, is found in uh, Psalms 103 in the verse number 7, where there the Bible says that God has made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Now, when you really look at that scripture and meditate on it for a moment, it's, you'll realize it's one thing to know about something. It's something else entirely to experience it. Something much more uh, important. And I'm afraid that has been my story, that academically, as I have studied the Word of God, I know what it says. I, I know the history of the Bible. I can quote Bible passages and the like. But I've never realized that I've, there's a lot of things that I've yet to experience in the things of God and things that I have read in the Word of God that I have not yet found out how to apply to my own life. And unfortunately, I think this is the state of much of Christianity today where they have knowledge of the Word of God, but they lack experience in the things of God. Now, we've just finished the most exciting an exhilarating time of year for Christian celebration because we finished Good Friday. We know the actions that Jesus took on that day and what transpired. We know what happened on Easter Sunday, the empty tomb that uh, uh, was there as Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, so we've celebra celebrated these acts that were taken, but there's something more than that. The acts uh, really, uh, there's something deeper in that when we begin to realize that his resurrection from the grave meant something for you and I. Those were actions, but there's a deeper truth that what that means for you and I today because that means that we are to experience the born-again lifestyle, that which God has made a way for us. We have to realize that his actions that he took made a way for us that we would not be victims to circumstances, that we would live a victorious life here in this earth. And because of his actions, we have not only victory, but we have authority in the name of Jesus Christ. We now have power over all the power of the enemy. Can someone say amen to that? Now, unfortunately... Many Christians only know the stories from the Bible. It has not yet gone beyond ink on a page into their hearts so that they understand what is happening in the spiritual life of an individual. Because they've not yet experienced the supernatural, 
does not mean that the supernatural is not for us today. People that have not experienced it oftentimes live life expecting God not to operate in the life that God has in, in given to him. And so they do, not, uh, in, they do not contend for what God says is possible. The empty grave says something. It says something that you and I are to not be conventional people that live in the wisdom of this world, not just knowing the historical events of Christianity that happened in the Bible, but we are to be recipients of his power today in this life and to know his ways and contend. Somebody say contend. Contend for those ways in our lives. The supernatural power of God was not just for people of the Bible. It is for you. It is for me today. It belongs to all of us who will determine to operate in faith, placing our trust in God, and who will dare to contend for the promises of God in the circumstances of our life. We are to be Overcomers, can I hear you say amen? We're to operate in that realm of faith. We read the story in the Bible of Mary, just a peasant, simple peasant girl. And there in a dusty village, an angel of the Lord appears to her and speaks to her and says, well, God has chosen you to give birth to the Messiah. And of course she goes, well, how is that impossible? But the response comes back in Luke 1 and 37 for with God, nothing shall be impossible. We read the story of Jesus and, and uh, as he encounters the, the father of a son who is in deep trouble with epileptic seizures and he's done everything in his power to see his son delivered uh, medically and even through the disciples, but nothing happens. Uh, and so he comes to Jesus needing a miracle and Jesus responds to him in Mark 9, 23, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. And so we hear the word of God and we realize that we believe that the supernatural is for us. If we believe all things are possible to the person who believes. Now I believe that this is what God is saying to his church today. The miraculous is central to any revelation of God. If you are saved today, if you're born again, it's because of a miraculous encounter that you had with the Lord. He gave you faith in order to be saved. And so you and I as creatures who are born again in the power of God have to realize it's not enough for us to know what God did. We have to become active believers in our lives, continually believing God for his divine favor in our lives and assistance to help us in every crisis that we face. God is the creator. He is not subject to the laws of nature. He created the laws of nature. You and I have to understand that there is a reality that we call reality, but there's also an alternative reality. There's a reality that goes beyond nurture, uh, natural circumstances, and it is available to every one of us 
who trust God to help them. We read about it in the Bible where the, the king of Syria is after Elisha, wants to destroy him and do him harm. So Elisha, traveling with just one assistant, has spent the night on a mountaintop, and in the morning when he, they awakened, they realized that the king has surrounded the mountain with military might, that army against just the two of them. In 2 Kings chapter number 6, in verse 15, it says, When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what shall we do now? The young man cried to Elijah. And Elisha told him, Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Can I tell you something? As Elisha said, there's more with us than there are with them. There's an alternative reality for every one of us who dared to believe God and contend for his experience. Now, I, I can tell you that I have been able to experience the supernatural in my life, but it's not just limited to me. I have observed so many within our church, our ministry, that have testified of the miraculous nature of God in their lives. And I've found that God is looking for someone. He's looking for anyone who would dare to trust God and believe God for his reality in our life, to actually contend for God in the midst of what can seem like overwhelming circumstances to our life. And I'm not just talking about when we're desperate. I'm talking about all of the time. I mean, when we think about the, the thought of marriage and what God intended it to be, how many Christian couples have learned to just settle for what they're experiencing in their life? It's not what they wanted. It's not what they dreamed for. It's something so much less. But instead of turning to the Word of God and saying, God, I'm not satisfied with life as it is, I'm asking you to intervene in my life and turn these circumstances around because, God, I believe that if I'll believe you, all things are possible. It's the same with raising our kids. I mean, we live in a culture today that has, has discovered all these new ways of raising children. Let me just tell you something. The best place to turn is here. It's the Word of God. And so you and I can try to raise our kids, uh, uh, you know, the way that, that society tells us, or we can turn to the Word of God and say, God, help us. We want our children uh, to be men and women of God to raise up in this world. Amen. It's the same thing with our finances. We run into uh, all the problems. I, I know some people just settle for, well, that's the way my job is. That's all 
that I can expect out of life. This is my financial situation right now. I, I don't see it getting any better. But you and I, it doesn't matter whether it's finances, education, health. What we've got to do is be a people that say, wait a second. I know that if I can believe, all things are possible to whom who believes. That's what the scripture says. It's not by might nor by power, but what? But by my spirit, says the Lord. Hebrews eleven six. without faith. It is impossible to please God. What we've got to do is believe that he is who he says he is, that he's the God, the creator of the universe, and that he is a rewarder if we'll just diligently contend for him in our lives. Now, we're living in a season, a time, where the majority of society rejects the concept of an engaged God. I think most of society thinks that, well, uh, you know, Whatever's happening is happening. God's not really interested in the affairs that I'm going through or uh, what's happening in our world. And so it has this tendency to make us who uh, 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 trust God feel a little eccentric. The world will go, you, you know, you're a little bit out there. I mean, if you're expecting God to come to your rescuer, God to help you through the issues of your life. But if we ever give in to that type of reasoning, what's going to happen is you're going to face life and all the difficulties of your life on your own power. And let me just tell you something for sure. You will fail. When you try to beat this world in your own power, it will chew you up and spit you out the other side. It'll let you down. You have to trust God for a miracle in your life. Proverbs 16, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to men, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If you try to manipulate affairs to work out for your behavior, you'll utterly fail. What you need to do, trust God. God, help me in my life. You know, when we go through marriage difficulties, we have to not just try to tough it out somehow in our own power. We've got to trust God. When we go through uh, all the issues of life, when we look at it, it's just like reality is, 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 is facing us and it looks so hopeless. We have got to trust God and determine we're not going to be victims. We are going to be victorious. We're not going to be victims of circumstance. We're going to overcome the circumstances in our life because the scriptures clearly say in 2 Corinthians that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is not of us. It's of our God. He comes to our rescue. It is so easy today to feel victimized. I mean, it's like, a society has gone absolutely insane. We can be overwhelmed by the ungodliness of our culture and the unfairness of life. And so we've got to learn to trust, to lean on the Word of God and trust Him. Not just studying what God did back then, but realizing that the same God that did miracles back then wants to do the same type of miracles in our lives today. If you'll trust God, I'm here to tell you God will do miracles 
because the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same today as he was yesterday and he will be the same for all eternity. So today I want to minister out of a Bible story that parallels what we're going through as a nation today. It's a story of how God's people had drifted far away from God and they were living in disobedience to him. It's found in the book of Judges. It's the story of Gideon. And I want to read a few verses beginning with verse number one. It says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Let me just stop and tell you something. There's a way that seems right to us, but it doesn't make it right. Oftentimes, we excuse our own evil behavior, even though we know what the Bible says. Listen, it's going to end up hurting you. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, the goats, the cattle, and donkeys. And these enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived in droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. And so Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. And then the, Lord, the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now, the, the verbiage that's used in that, in that scripture is kind of amazing. He's talking about hordes of camels. He's talking about masses of humanity that after Israel has labored and worked to plant their crops so they'll have food for them and their families, that this horde of people comes and like locusts begin to devour everything that they have, leaving them without the sustenance that they need for their families. Now understand something, we're reading about God's people. These were Israelites. They were steeped in the history of their nation. They knew the stories that how they were captive in Egypt and God came through and led them out of captivity. They knew that God provided manna for them where there was nothing to eat. He knew that, they, that, that God poured water out of a rock, split the Red Sea, gave Joshua the land that was promised to them. They knew everything about what God has done, but it's one thing to know what God's done in the past, and it's another thing entirely to believe what God's going to do right now in their life. Instead of So instead of crying out to God for his help, what Israel did is they just began to do what the rest of the culture was doing. In verse number one, it said the Israel children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, if you'll study out 
that chapter, you begin to understand that the evil that they did is they bowed their knees to foreign or strange gods and the concepts or the culture that surrounded those gods. It's like today where our nation has developed this ungodly uh, uh, acceptance uh, of things that God says are horrible for you and will bring wrath and disobedience upon us as a nation. What they had done is they uh, bowed their knee and, and entered into a culture that was different than what God intended. And as a result of that, Israel began to suffer mightily. They planted fields, they planted crops, they worked and labored to get that done because they needed it for sustenance in their life, but only to have the enemy come and steal away everything that they had worked for, everything that they had tried to do, and only at the last moment did they cry out to God and say, God, we need your help. Verse number six it says, so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Notice something. God always responds to the cry of his people. I'd like to repeat that if I could. God always responds to the cry of his people. Listen, Israel here had violated God's word. They had disobeyed God. And so God responds to the cry even to this disobedient people and he sends them a prophet, a prophet to speak the word of God to them. We pick up the prophet's words in verse number seven. It came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. I brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and I gave you their land. Now, here, what help is this? I mean, they called a prophet, and what's the prophet do? Oh, he tells them what they already knew. I mean, all he's doing is regurgitating the same facts that they learned as children. This is what God did. But God then it goes on through this prophet to say in the very next verse, also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. In other words, what he's saying, yes, yes, I am the God who delivered your forefathers, but I am God today in your life right now. And the same things that I did back then, I want to do right now for you. See, what's important to God is not just what he's done in the past, but what, who he is today and what he wants to do today. It's good to remember the miracles of the past. It builds confidence and faith in us. But let me tell you something. It can't stop there. We've got to trust God for our lives now. So God's answer to their cry was that I'm going to send a man who's going to lead you and deliver you as a people. 
And so you know who he chose. He chose Gideon in this particular Bible story. And Gideon was absolutely nobody special. He's just was one of the guys just like you or I today. In verse number 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came, sat under a terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. Now just <laughs> stop and think about that. Here's Gideon. The, the, the wheat is to be threshed where? Well, in the threshing floor very public place. But Gideon is trying to improvise. He's trying somehow, as it goes on to say, to thresh a little bit of wheat for him and his family so he can hide it from the Midianites and it doesn't get stolen as well. And so the angel of the Lord appears to him and he says to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, You've probably heard sermons on Gideon before. You have, I'm sure, some understanding of who he was. But one thing we can say, Gideon is definitely not leadership material. When we look at that and we understand that here he is hiding a little bit of grain, not concerned about his neighbors or the nation or anything like he, He's just trying to get a little bit of grain stored for himself, hide it so that he'll have what he needs in the future. And he's working in isolation. He's not at the threshing floor. He's just trying to hide himself so that he's safe. We know that his father was an idolater. And yet somehow with all these negatives operating in his life, God saw something inside of him and encouraged him to step up. Let me just tell you something. That's what God's saying to you today. In spite of our lack, in spite of our weaknesses and shortcoming, God wants us to step up. Can I hear you say amen to that? And so check out the attitude that Gideon displays in reply to the angel. Gideon says to him in verse 13, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why in the heck is all this happening to us? And by the way, where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? The Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, you notice that Gideon is speaking to the angel of the Lord, and he asks him a question. He said, if you're with us, how come we're going through all this? By the way, you know, we've heard about miracles all our lives, but where are those miracles? Let me just say something. Gideon is asking the wrong question. A better question might have been, where are all the men of God that believed you in time past for miracles? If you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer every time. We've got to learn to ask the right question because his question led him to feel abandoned. 
And so here's Gideon acting like a victim of his circumstances. Uh, I got to hide this little bit of grain. Uh, I've got to work in isolation because, well, look, if things are tough right now, he's not acting like the victor that God said, you are a mighty man of valor. And he and his whole nation basically had given up because of the circumstances they were facing. Instead of believing God for divine intervention, he doubted God. His attitude made Gideon powerless. He made him passive. He made him just to sit there and let the circumstances come upon his life and cause them to be impoverished. And so God reminds him that he is able to transform victims into victorious individuals. And he does it by challenging him to step out in faith. In verse number 14, the Lord turns to Gideon and he says, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I think too many times we as Christians, and I think it's probably endemic to all of our nation, in the churches of, of our nation, is that too often we know what the Word of God says He did, but they really do not know what God wants to do today. God's Word has to move from ink on paper it has to move into our hearts and our mouths. We have to earnestly contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints. Because I'm here to tell you today, God does not want us just to survive, to eke out a few grains of wheat and save it. He wants us to thrive and to be overcomers. He wants us to change our mindset and realize that while obstacles look overwhelming to us, the reality that we see on the ground is not the final say. There is an alternate reality, and it happens as we step out in faith, God begins to come through. I mean, this is all the way through the Bible. We read about Abraham, and God speaks to him and gives him a promise. He says, look up into the heavens. Look at the grains of sand. These are your descendants. And, and to Abraham at his age and with his particular situation, it obviously looked absolutely impossible. But God speaks to him and says, I want you to get up and go get it. And so Abraham gets up and says, Sarah, pack your bags. We're taking off. And she goes, well, where are we headed, Abe? And Abe says to her, I don't know where we're going, but I know one thing. I'm going to take a step towards the promises of God in my life. Amen. We read about Moses who's standing at the Red Sea looking at this immovable object and behind him the, uh, uh, the nation of Egypt, the army coming up behind him uh, and he realizes we're between a rock and a hard place. Uh, I don't know what to do. There's nothing I can do in my own power. But he did take a step of faith and he raised up that rod and when he raised that rod, the Bible says that Red Sea uh, began to part. Uh, we know that Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel and because of it, were thrown into a prison cell. And there they were going to have 
violence done to them. They had no idea what to do. They're locked in the center of the prison with chains and bars. But one thing they did do is take a step of faith and begin to lift their voice and praise their God. And then the chains fell off and the prison doors began to open. It was the disciples that were standing there and Jesus said, I want you to feed 5,000 of my men and their families. Would you do that for me? And they said, all we got is just a few little little fish here and a loaf of bread. What is that? What can we possibly do with that? But they did take a step of faith and they began to pass it out. And the Bible says that as they passed it out, there was more than enough for every one of them and less some that was left over. It was, it was Peter and James and John that went at the hour of prayer uh, uh, to, the, to the temple. And there sitting uh, was a man that had uh, a beggar that was unable to walk from, uh, from his birth. And the Bible says that there that man begins to cry out and say, Lord, I, I, amen, I want you to give me something. They said, look, we don't have enough money to take care of the problem, but we do have something. And they reached out and grabbed a hold of his hand and took that step, lifted that man up. And the Bible says immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And they began to dance and shout and praise the Lord. One step of faith, I'm telling you, and God will do miracles. This is taught throughout the word of God. And it has the power to turn a victim into a victorious individual simply by inviting God to intervene in your affairs. After all, the Bible says in, Ma in Ma Matthew chapter 7, one guy, just take a knock at the door and see if I won't in turn open a door because he goes on to say, for everyone who takes the time to knock on the door, that door is going to be open to him. We see it in Jesus as he's lifted up out of this earth. Uh, he looks at his disciples uh, and he says, go into all the world and and when you go, then I'll be with you and signs and wonders will follow you as you go. Listen to me. God has not given up on us as a nation. He wants to help us. Notice how God responds to God encouraging his lack of faith. The angel challenges him. And so he took a step. The first step that he took was he prayed. Let me just tell you something. Prayer is an act of faith. Prayer is an act of faith. It's believing that someone is greater than you and has the power to help you when you're unable to help yourself. It moves us from just accepting the reality that we see in front of us to ask God for an alternative reality that he alone is able to help you with. Prayer is contending for God to change the circumstances that you're facing. James says, you have not because you don't bother to ask me. Prayer is a step of faith. The second step that he took is he gave an offering to the Lord. In Judges 6, 17, it says, he said to him, 
If now I've found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring my offering and set it before you. It's just several weeks ago that Pastor Adam preached something that really touched my heart when he said, you can't say the word offering without understanding that it has the word in it, offer. And so what Gideon does is he makes it, he offers to God. And the Bible says that what he does is he literally, he goes home and he cooks a meal for him and he places it on a rock. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord looks at it and touches it and it goes up in flames. And so the offering didn't look like it amounted to much. I mean, all it was was ashes on a rock. But the Bible says that something happened when he uh, saw that supernatural sign and he took another step of faith. So now he's prayed to God, he's made an offering to God, and now his faith is built to the point where he faces fear and he begins to step out in faith to obey God in more difficult situations. In verse 25, it says, Now it comes to pass that the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, cut down the wooden image that's beside it, and build an altar to the Lord. And so here's Gideon now. He's prayed, asked God. God shows up. He makes an offering to the Lord. It doesn't look like it's accomplished much, but he does see a miracle happen as a result of it. And so now he goes against his father's wishes, uh, against society, takes his, puts his life in the hands of the society, goes up, cuts down the idol of Baal, and bears down the altar and begins to worship the Lord. Let me just tell you something. He overcame his fear and now he's beginning to operate in faith. And what happens out of that, it's, Im, uh, it's unbelievable. But all of a sudden, there's all kinds of men that are attracted to him and that come. He blows a trumpet, and the Bible says the nation gathers around him. An army is formed. In Judges 6.33, it says, Then all the Midianites, now they're joined by the Amalekites and the people of the east, they gathered together and they crossed over the encampment in, in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. He blew his trumpet and the nation began to gather behind him. And so now all of a sudden, here's Gideon. He's standing there. He's prayed for God. He's offered to God. He stepped out in faith and made an action for God. And now an army gathers around him and he realizes there's a battle coming. These Midianites that have destroyed this nation, we're going to do something about it. But the Amalekites are gathered by, uh, I mean, the Midianites are gathered by the people of the east. And so there's this great horde uh, and the number uh, of, of warriors in Israel is far less than the enemy. And so the Bible says and speaks to him and he says, uh, you got too many. In, in verse 33, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord comes on Gideon. No, I mean, verse chapter 7, verse number 2, God says to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands unless you begin to claim glory for, 
for yourselves against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. So God says, get rid of this army. And he narrows it down till there's only 300 soldiers to come up against this vast horde of an army. And what happened out of that was a miracle that astounds us to this day. They experienced the miracle working power of God. They killed that whole army, destroyed every one of them. But it all began with a simple step of faith. First he prayed, then he offered. They began to take uh, more bold actions uh, until victory was his and an ordinary man overcame circumstances and the reality with a supernatural reality that God said was his for the taking. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32. I love this scripture. Time would fail me to tell of Gideon who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, all because of a simple ability to contend with God in faith and take a small step. Now, it's not enough to talk about what Gideon did. I want to talk about us today because it's very easy for you and I to ask the wrong questions as well. Lord, if, if you're with us, why in the heck are we struggling so hard? If you're with us, why is the world seeming to turn upside down? Why? all the murder and destruction, what, what is happening? God, we've heard about miracles, but if where are all the miracles that we heard about in the Word of God? Well, let me just answer that question that you have. It's as close as your mouth and your heart. If you'll believe God and you'll take a step of faith and begin to confess that, I'm here to tell you today that God is anxiously looking for you. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the whole earth. God is actively looking for anyone whose heart is hungry for him. And I'll tell you right now, he wants to show himself strong in your behalf. That's God's word to us today. And so we cannot sit back and be a victim of the circumstances that surround us. What we've got to do is lift our eyes up and say there's an alternative reality that we're not seeing here. There's more with us than they're against us. There's a God in heaven that if we believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Let me take you back to the first scripture that I opened this message with is found in Psalms 103 where it says God has made known his ways to Moses and only his acts to the children of God. We simply must move from knowing about God, about the miracles of God, to contending for God to move in our lives. We've got to fight to understand and know the nature of our God who loves us and wants to help us. And we have to make a decision 
that we've got to take a step of faith. Let me just tell you something. Religion can teach you about God, but it's not enough. It's only in faith that you'll experience the supernatural power of God. Scripture says it this way. We're to fight the good fight of faith. We've got to confront the reality that we see in front of us and confront it with the authority and the power that God has given to us. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, it was a supernatural event. And and, um, I began to devour God. I studied it. I knew about it. But one day, I remember I was at a prayer meeting, and um, I had my Bible open in front of me, and I was reading the encounter in Acts, where the apostles spoke, and 5,000 people, 3,000, I think it's 3,000 people got saved that day. And as I was leaving that prayer meeting, I, 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 um, stopped the assistant pastor and I, I asked him his name was Fred I said Fred answer me something if the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever then why do we read about 3,000 people getting saved and yet we struggle to just see one or two get saved and he answered me with great wisdom and encouraged me when he says well Why don't you believe God for that? You want to see that in your life? Why don't don't you trust God? Well, that was many, many years. I was was just a, a, a new convert. But you fast forward, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 years, me contending and saying, God, I want to see this in my life. Where I was standing in a field, actually a refugee camp, Ghana, Africa. And I was preaching to this huge crowd. I made an altar call for salvation and thousands of people came flooding to the front. Miracles of healing and provision began to happen right before my eyes. And I began to realize, wait a second, that all goes back to someone encouraging me. Take a step of faith. Begin to pray for something that you desire to see in your life. You see, steps of faith start small. There's small steps that we take. When I got saved, I I didn't immediately say go out and pastor a church or travel to nations. The first thing I did was I, I went to my wife and realized that our marriage was not what it needed to be. What I wanted it to be, and I know not what she wanted it to be. And I took a step of faith and I told her, I said, look, I, I know that I've not been the man that you wanted to marry. And I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm going to change. I, I'm going to do what God says to do in our marriage. I, I, God's going to help me. And so that was where I started, my first step, just asking God to help me in the little things. I, I remember asking God for my son. I go, Lord, I don't know how to raise a son. 
I felt like I was an absent father. I, I wasn't engaged with my own son. So I took a step of faith and I turned to God's word and I began to study. What, what do you say, Lord, about raising children? How can I do it your way instead of what, how I was raised? And I began to apply those principles to my life. And then I did it with my business. I, I recognized I, I didn't know how to run a business the way God says to run a business. So I took a step of faith in that area of my life, and I, I began to get that in order. I, let me just tell you something. I, what I'm saying is it starts with a small step. You don't start changing the world. You start changing your life one person at a time. So today in this assembly as we've gathered, what I want for us as a body of believers is to not be the victims of the circumstance of what's going on in our world today. I want us to be victorious people, boldly overcoming. If God is for us, who can stand against us? Amen. I don't want to just talk about Elijah saying, God, open his eyes. Let him see that there's more with us than for us. I want to be the one that has my eyes open to see it. I don't want to be the one that's trying to reach into my pocket to take care of the needs of a blind beggar that's standing at the gate. I want to be the one that prays and sees him get up and walk and his life come back to normalcy. And I know that's what you want for your life, too. I know that's what you want. And so we've got to start someplace. We've got to make a decision. I don't want to just know what's written on with ink on a page in this book. I want this book to be in my life. I don't want to be asking a question, where are the miracles? I want to instead be asking myself, where am I in my faith? I've got to stand up and I've got to believe God for my circumstances to overcome it, for my home, for my family, for my business, for my church, for my world. I've got to believe the Lord and so do you. So this morning I wonder if we couldn't stand to our feet all over this auditorium and I wonder if we couldn't find our way to the altar of this church. Comes. It was so amazing this morning in the first service where every person, every person in the building came forward to the altars to ask God to help them. And I think that's, that's where it's at. We cannot be passive Christians. Passive in the sense that we're sitting there, well, this is what life's bringing at me. I guess that's the way it is. Friends, it's not the way it is. Somebody, you know, I, I, I'm sure Gideon, if they would have asked Gideon, you know, uh, about there's more, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the circumstances look hopeless for you. And he'd probably just say, well, just the facts, that's the way it is. I, I, I'm hopeless. I, there's, what can one man do? He thought it was the way, the reality on his, in front of him. But let me just tell you something. When he finally changed his mindset and he says, wait a second, I believe that all things are possible if I can believe. And he began to take a step. So this morning in the altars of this church, maybe you're here. And 
your circumstances, every one of you are facing situations in your life. And let me just tell you, even if they're going pretty good, you need God. If they're going in a, you know, in a catastrophe, things are falling apart, you need God. But every day, every step of the way, we need Jesus. We need His power. The excellency of the power can't be of us. It's got to be of God. And so would you draw up in your mind right now maybe the circumstance that you're facing. It could be financial. certainly could be relational. Maybe it's an addiction that you're struggling with or fighting or whatever the issue, whatever the problem would be. There's nothing too hard for our God. And so I want to go with, before the throne of grace, you know, just like the angel said to Gideon, go, you mighty man, you mighty woman of valor, go, take a step. And the first step that Gideon took was prayer. And so we're going to pray right now. And I, I don't mean I'm going to pray. I said we're going to pray. So prayer is verbal, right? Prayer is asking God. And so I'm going to ask you to lift your voice. And I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord, help me, Lord, in my circumstances. Would you do that with me this morning? Father, oh, Jesus, we come. Lord, as we face life head on, the challenges, Lord, that are a part we look at things sometimes and we look like it's just insurmountable. God is beyond our ability. And Lord, we know that a sense feels that way because you want it to feel that way. So that we'll act in faith. So that we'll lift our voice. So that we'll ask you. So Father, we take the initial step of faith. We speak to our circumstances. Lord, the word of God's not going to be ink on a page. It's going to be as close to us as our heart and our mouth. And Lord, we lift our voice today to ask you intervene in our circumstances. We refuse to be victims. Instead, we stand upon the word of God. And Lord, we want to come out victorious. Lord, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power of God that works within us. Lord, have your way. Praise the Lord. Have your way. Oh, sing it out today. Come on. If you want my heart, then I won't second guess. Cause I
I wonder this morning if maybe you listened to this exhortation from the Word of God. Maybe you recognize that I'm outside of the favor of God in my life and I need help. Let me just tell you something. Jesus wants to save you today. That's why there was Good Friday. He paid for your sins. That's why there was Easter Sunday because He rose again so that you could raise again in newness of life. And so you say, I'm tired of the way it was and has been in my life. I need that alternative reality that you're talking about. And I want to today surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And if that's you, right where you stand, just look me right in the eye. Lift your hand. Let me know. Just make an acknowledgement. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I look across the auditorium. Sometimes it's difficult to see. But is there one that would just stand up and say, you know what? I'm not going to sit back and do nothing. I see it. I, I'm, I'm not sitting back and doing nothing. I'm taking a step of faith. I'm going to do something about my circumstances. I refuse to be a victim. I'm going to be an overcomer. And I know that Jesus, the Creator, can help me. Pray with us all, would you, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for the word of faith that we've heard today. And we ask you, Father, to help us to ask the right questions. Lord, let us not turn to the circumstances and say, why, God? But, Lord, let us turn and say, God, what are you able to do if I will just simply believe you? So I stand today, Father, as a man that will speak your word and ask you, help us, Lord, to be victor, victorious in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, come on. Sing it out to the Lord if you want. Sing it.
how did you how did you get to where you are how did you get what you have it's taking those steps of faith on a regular basis just like pastor carl was talking about taking those regular steps relying on god god will never let you down he has never let me down he'll never let you down our god is good to us amen we want to thank you for joining us today at elevate ministries we love you don't stay away come be with us on wednesday night or whenever you can possibly be with us thank you for joining thanks for joining on the live stream God bless you. Have a great week.